This is a special presentation of Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for February 18, 2015. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 21. The message is by Father Ron Baird. So we come today to Lent. A lot of people have been taught, saying this year that it seemed like it was early. And actually, it's not early. It's kind of an average date for Lent to begin, and Easter will be at about an average time. It's just that for the last several years, Easter has been so late in the season, I think we kind of got used to that. Although I have to admit, the temperature seems a bit like it feels like it's early. We start off Lent every year in the same way, to remind one another and to remind ourselves that we are dust and to dust we shall return. It's an echo from the Garden of Eden when God created Adam out of the dust of the earth. And it's to remind us of our own mortality. You know, it becomes very easy in our life to not really uh, pay much attention to that. It seems hard for people to do things like getting around and making out their will or to planning their funeral so their loved ones don't have to do all that work. Because um, we don't really want to think about death, which is interesting if you think about because we all really do know we're going to die. I remember Judy's dad used to say he wasn't going, um, but somewhere along the line he changed his mind. He told me it was because of my driving, but I don't believe him. But, uh, but, um, but we all die. And so why is it that we, we don't want to look at it? Why is it that we want to pretend that it's not real? And even in our faith, we sometimes want to act as though, well, death is just sort of a crossing over you know, sort of like you step out of your body and keep going or, or something. And yet, if you've ever been with anybody who died, it's not quite that simple. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. But the reality is, is that we are creatures. We are not immortal. In spite of the fact that we seem to think we have the right to be immortal, you know, by virtue of our birth, you know, we even have changed the meaning. Now, you know, there's a common saying out there, everyone is a child of God. Have you all heard that? But, but not everyone's a child of God. You know, there's only one child of God, really. The only begotten Son of God is who? Jesus. We become children of God by adoption. You know, we're adopted into God's family through baptism. Now, does that mean that God hates everybody who doesn't care about anybody who's outside of his family? Well, of course not. He's the one who created them. Why would he hate them? You know, he loves everything that he created. But the truth is he also created mosquitoes and aardvarks. And kumquats. I mean, he created lots of things. That doesn't make them children of God. You know, to be a child of God means to be an heir of the kingdom of God, which means eternal life. And we don't get it simply by virtue of our birth. You know, I showed up, now you owe me. It must be a sign of the times. I bet if a hundred years ago, I wouldn't have even had to say these things. You know, because everybody would have assumed those things. So we come to remind ourselves of our own mortality so that we can also be reminded of how it is that we come to that place where we can achieve immortality. Because the truth is, is that the way we come to be children of God and heirs of eternal life is through baptism. And baptism, even in our service, says that, it is, that with it we are buried with Christ in his death. We die. And through it, we are reborn with him in his resurrection. You know, the resurrection that we share is Jesus Christ, not our own. You know, we don't get that privilege. 
Only God does. But in his infinite love and mercy, he wants to share it with anyone who would be willing to take it. You know, now you don't get it just because you said, that's mine. You don't get to usurp the prince. But you can have it for free. And we can all live forever if we would so choose. But to do so, there's that one caveat. We have to die to ourselves and live in Christ. You know, that's a common theme throughout the whole uh, of the scriptures, the New Testament. Jesus frequently says it this way. He says, anyone who would save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, we hear Paul say, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ Jesus who lives in me. You know, that is what eternal life is about. It's about dying to self and living for Christ. And, and the wondrous thing about our God is that in, in addressing our own mortality and embracing it early and dying to ourselves, not only do we get eternal life, but we become more us than we ever could have been on our own. And not only do we get to be more who it was that we were created to be, but we can also have it not for a short span of life, but for eternity. You know, and when we die, it's not just a matter of that we sort of step out of our bodies and move on like, you know, a spirit. Remember that movie Ghosts with a, who was it, in Patrick Swayze? Yeah. You know, it's not like that. You know, because the truth is, is that at the end of time, when all of our spirits are gathered together at the great judgment seat, those of us who have chosen to die to ourselves and live in Christ will be given new bodies, imperishable bodies. And so we'll live forever as real solid people who are children of God. And that's why Lent becomes so important, because we need a season where we remember what it is that we are about and who it is that we are. And so every year the church calls us to a solemn fast. And there are three disciplines that you're called to. There is um, prayer and study, which kind of goes with prayer. There's um, fasting and almsgiving. Prayer and study. We're called to take time out of our lives to spend more time with God. By reading his word, by listening to him, by praying to him, by being in conversation with him. Reminding ourselves that we are totally dependent upon him for the life that we live you know none of us knows what will happen in a moment but the truth is is that God knows and so we need to get back to him and die to ourselves and one way we do that is by giving up ourselves the second thing is through fasting now fasting in and of itself means giving up something and usually when people think of fasting they think of ash wednesday and good friday which are fast days but that's not really um, the only kind of fasting that we do during lent you know you frequently hear about people giving up something for lent well that's what fasting means is you abstain from something you do you you don't use it that's why breakfast by the way is called breakfast it's when you break your fast from the night before because you had a hard time eating while you were asleep unless you were really good. And so we, we break our fast. We've been abstaining from food until we get up. But it doesn't have to necessarily be food that we give up. We can give up all kinds of things. And it's not meant to, that we pick something to torture ourselves. One of the things that always amazes me is how smokers love to give up smoking during Lent. And then they love to take up smoking at the end of Lent. And I keep thinking, golly, if you'd gone that long, I don't think I'd start again. But, but you know, it, it's not meant to abuse you or to make you suffer. It's meant to remind you of how much you need to be dependent upon God. So that when you're abstaining from those things, 
you, realize, you remember how much you need to die to yourself and live for Christ. A lot of times you've heard people say, well, I think you should take on something for Lent, not give up something. Have I heard that before? Well, it's not really an option. You're supposed to do both. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know where we got the idea. Well, you know, that's sort of like if I take a test, can I just take half of it? I mean, <laughs> would that be sufficient? You, know, you think your college professors would have gone along with that one you know, and passed you anyway? Well, he did real well on how half he took. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, it's both. We take on prayer and study and almsgiving and we give up something. I know one of the things I give up every year is, and I do it every year, is, is red meat on Friday. Do you know that's the hardest thing I've ever had to give up? Usually people want me to give up Diet Pepsi. I don't know why other people always want someone else to give up something. But I always say, well, well, as soon as I get to start working on your sins, you can start working on mine. Uh, but, um, but, but I have given up Diet Pepsi for Lynn, actually, and it's really not that hard after about the first week or two and you get rid of the headache. You know, then it becomes kind of normal. But what's really hard is to give up something on a particular day of the week because then you've got to remember on that day of the week that, oh, you know, for me it's Friday. I can't have, um, you know, meat, red meat on Fridays. And so I don't eat red meat on Fridays. And I can tell you, it's, it's much harder than most things to give up. The other thing that we begin to do when we do this is that we, it's not so much about how successful we are in doing it. Because the whole point of it is to remind us of our dependence upon God alone. So if you pick something that is so easy for you to give up that you, didn't, you just breezed right through Lent and never had a problem, you picked the wrong thing. I was reminded once of a little boy in Point Pleasant who told me that he was going to give up broccoli. <laughs> I said, do you eat broccoli? He said, yes, but only because my mother makes me. <laughs> I thought, I'm not sure that would be real hard. Um, to do that. But, but we do it to remind ourselves of what it is that we are all about and why it is that we do what we do. And the third thing is almsgiving. We take some of our wealth, some of our resources, which in our day should include part of our time, and figure out how we can give to those who have less than we. One way the church has offered for you to do that this year, if you want to, it's entirely up to you, but we have mite boxes. They may remember mite boxes. Um, I don't know why they call them mite boxes, really, because there are no mites in the box. But, um, yeah, I don't know why the widow gave her mite away either. I don't think anybody wanted it. But, but, uh, but we have mite boxes, and you can collect change and things to give to the poor. The money all goes to Anglican Relief and Development Fund. And one of the great things about that fund is that um, the, the money you give towards that, none 